you don't have to follow Jesus. You get to follow Jesus. The moment that you see your walk as an opportunity rather than an obligation is the moment when your growth will progress exponentially. If you have felt like you were following Jesus out of duty, it's time to go the second mile and rediscovering delight in our discipleship. This is Travis Agnew, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Second Mile Podcast, where we seek to live out the words of Jesus from Matthew 5.41, where he said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him the second mile. So that's what discipleship's all about, not doing just the bare minimum, but really saying, I want to do this, and I want to follow him all the way. He's not someone you want to follow halfway. And so that's why going the second mile is so important. And on this 34th episode of the Second Mile Podcast, I want to talk to you about rediscovering delight in our discipleship. Uh, On last week's episode, we talked about uh, developing a discipleship plan, a actual workable, adaptable, repeatable plan that you can use in your life or in the life of someone else, uh, where you basically look at the words of Colossians 1, 27 through 29, and within that framework, there are six categories that you could look at on how you could grow. Now, as we stated in the the podcast last week, it's important for you to realize that this category plan, like it's called a distinctive discipleship plan, we're going through it as our, our church family is, but also wanted to share that here. One thing that you have to realize is that you can use this plan on your own. You could look at these six categories that we mentioned and say, well, this is the personal uh, uh, way that I'm going to grow in the coming months. And that's good. And the reason why it's good is that you can look at it and say, well, at least it's specific, right? Rather than just sort of, well, I hope I grow, you actually identify areas that you need to strengthen. But here's what I've been telling our church family and hope you hear me. This path of distinctive discipleship, it is good for an individual It's better with a partner, but it's best with a mentor. So yes, it's good for you to do as an individual where you say, here's some areas that I need to work on, and you specifically start to work on them. But I believe it's better with an accountability partner, someone that's uh, right there beside you, so they can keep you accountable to the things that you've committed to the Lord and also to them. But I think the very best uh, way to approach this is under uh, the tutelage and supervision of a mentor, someone who's discipling you, whether it's a small group leader or maybe it's a believer who's just a few years older than you or maybe more mature than you. Maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a parent where you say, uh, I want to do this. So the plan is it's good for an individual, better with a partner, but best with a mentor. And the six categories come from, once again, Colossians 1, through 29, where, where Paul looked to the Colossian church and said, uh, speaking of Christ, that he is um, Christ in you, the hope of glory, him we proclaim, uh, a warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone um, complete in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all the energy that mightily works within me. And within those three verses, um, I really just see six categories of a way that you can help uh, work on your own discipleship or help disciple another. And that first category being delight uh, is that motive of why do you want to grow in Christ, seeing if there's any area that you need to address. The second is disobedience. What is that specific sinful leaning in your life that you need to address now? The third area is the area of doctrine. And what is that area that I need to grow in uh, my understanding of God's truth? Number four is development. What is a way that you specifically need to mature? Category number five is discipline. What is the next spiritual discipline that you need to implement in your life for your spiritual growth. 
And number six is dependence. What are the things that you are actively praying on to see God do in your life and in the lives of those around you? And so uh, that's the six categories. And so what I want to do starting this week is I want to unpack each category. So I want to look at that delight aspect and maybe give you a little bit insight of how you could use this specifically in your own journey or helping someone determine what their delight is. And so this is that that first category. And know this, that first mile believers, um, they follow Jesus out of duty. So those that just sort of do the bare minimum are those that say, all right, I'll follow Jesus because I'm supposed to. It's an obligation. But the second mile believers, those who really dig in and do what they're supposed to, I believe they don't follow Jesus out of duty, but they follow Jesus out of delight. It's not that they have to, it's that they get to. It's not an obligation, it's an opportunity. It's not duty, it's delight. And so that's what I want to talk about here today. So if we talk about the first category of your distinctive discipleship plan is how do you figure out uh, what's that delight department, that department that you need to work on? What is that joy department that you need to work on? And so I, I realize this as a father of young kids in the house. Uh, my children are still at the age that because I'm bigger than them, right, uh, I can make them do certain things in the house. I can say, look, you're going to do this or else. This will be the punishment that you'll have. And, and so I know that I can make them do something. I can force them to be submissive. I can put out so much restrictions that really changes the way that they think about things and say, okay, I will be compliant. I will be obedient. But I also know what this is like to have a child that will say that they're going to do the right thing and they actually do the right thing, but they don't do it in the right spirit. They don't have the right type of attitude with it. So I can make them do something, but I can't make them enjoy doing something. I can't force them to say, hey, it's the right thing to uh, to be sensitive and uh, servant-hearted to your sibling. Uh, I can't make them enjoy submitting uh, or honoring their mother. I can't make them necessarily enjoy cleaning up their room. I can make them do those things. But what I'm really after uh, as the heart of a father is one day I want them to actually enjoy doing those things. That They say, I see the value of it. I see the heart of my dad. And I know that he's teaching me to do something good here. And I want to do it. And so why this is so important is I believe there are many Christians out there who probably are doing certain right things. You're being compliant. You're being submissive. You're saying, okay, God says this is important, so therefore I will do it. But here's the deal. There's something that happens that when you can change from not just doing what you're supposed to do, but you get to do what you're actually like able and um, you're, you feel privileged to do, right? That it's not a burden to do it. You're excited to do. And that's where you have to really get down to the delight aspect. So if I'm discipling uh, you, if you and I were in a one-on-one conversation, what I would do is this, is I would in this category and developing your distinctive discipleship plan, I'm going to want to figure out what is that key area in your life that we need to address, right? Uh, About maybe is there something that has taken the place of the role of Jesus in the joy department of your life, and we got to move that thing off. We got to dethrone it, and we've got to put him back on that throne. And so, so one of the ways that you do think through this, right, is if you even think through of Hebrews 12, 2, where it says that Jesus went to the cross with joy, that he endured the cross with joy. Like, what does that even mean? Like, one of the most horrific, uh, brutal tortures physically, but also the spiritual, uh, just absolute um, unthinkable moment that he had when he was separated from the gaze of his father uh, because he was uh, carrying all of our sins. Like, so how could he do that with joy? Because obviously, was he, uh, you know, happy in that moment? Uh, what, What does that look like? Well, I believe that he saw that even the sacrifice of that moment was worth it and he could look at it in joy because of what it would produce. 
And so joy is, obviously, you've heard if you've ever been in the church, joy is not the same as happiness. But I also want to say this. There should be an attitude of desire to do these things. So once again, I think that um, God says it so perfectly throughout his word where he says, I, I, I desire um, you know, more than burnt offerings. I, I desire like obedience. Like I, I desire, like, so what he's saying is, don't just give me the stuff that I've asked for. Like I want a desirous heart uh, in this, and and so what you have to do is you even consider like the moment where um and and Mark ten Jesus meets the rich young ruler and he says all right I want to follow you what do I have to do and he says all right and he looks at this rich young ruler and says Jesus had love for him in his heart and then he said the hardest thing that this guy had ever heard right where he said sell everything you have and give it away to the poor well that's not what that guy wanted to hear and in fact it says that he walked away from following Jesus. Because he had great possessions. What does that mean? It means that he loved his possessions more than he ever could love Jesus, so he couldn't follow Jesus completely because he was following his possessions. Wherever they turned his head is where he was going. And so for every single one of us, we have uh, in this stage of our life, uh, wherever you are in your own spiritual journey, is that I guarantee there's some area in your life that either is robbing you of, it's taken the first position, the first place in your joy, or you are following Jesus, but you're not doing it in a joyful manner. You're not doing it out of delight. You're doing it out of duty and obligation. And so what we want to is we want to move towards that. So uh, two questions that I would ask you is that for to consider, like, what is that thing uh, that, that gives you the greatest joy? The, the, num- the number one question is, what is attempting to replace Jesus as your greatest joy? So what is it? Uh, is it your addiction to your favorite sports team? Is it a hobby that you just, you wake up in the morning and just dreaming about, right? Uh, is it your looks? Is it your house? Is it your children's success? Is it the affirmation of your spouse rather than the affirmation of your God? Is it the approval of others rather than the approval of God? Is it how many social media likes and thumbs up that you get um, that you will really probably do some things that you probably shouldn't do or, or uh, post some things that you shouldn't post, but you are so desperate for the approval of men? Like, what is that thing that gives you the most joy? It's the thing that wakes you up in the morning keeps you awake when you're trying to go to sleep at night. So what is attempting to replace Jesus as your greatest joy? If you can identify that, you're in your first step to sort of working in that delight department. The second question is this, how will you rediscover delight in the fact you get to grow closer to Jesus? So going back to Colossians 1, 27, that Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. And that's the one that we're going to proclaim with our lives, that you've got to get back to that moment where you go, Oh my, the creator and savior of my soul wants to be living inside of me. And doesn't that should change? It should not be duty or an obligation. It should be a delight and an opportunity and a privilege and a joy. It should cause you to wake up in the morning going, of course, I want to address the other five categories. I want to address disobedience, doctrine, development, uh, discipline, and dependence. Why? Because Christ is in me, the hope of glory. And so what you do is you start looking at what is that area. And so for someone who might even say, you know what, Um, my issue in my life is really struggling with the delight that I have is the approval of others. That's what that person, and there's a lot of people who would say that, you know, like um, having the approval of others is my biggest thing in life. Like that's what I want. And so you would need to kind of fill in this, this statement, right? I need to delight in Jesus more than the approval of others. And then you would have to get an action plan together. So what are some things you could start doing? Well, number one, I would encourage you, why don't you start researching verses on who you are in Christ? What's your identity like? Uh, maybe you need to avoid social media altogether, or maybe 
one day a week and not be so consumed with what other people think about you. Uh, or maybe you find a way to give credit to a coworker once a week, or maybe you affirm other people and what they're doing rather than having to get that approval of your own. And so what's happening is, is if you know that you want to delight in Jesus more than the approval of others, you want his approval, then you've got to start warring against those things that are competing for your affection, uh, but also start building in those good things about who you are in Christ. And so Psalm 4-7 says it this way, um, God, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. And I love that because he says, look, God, you put more joy in my heart than when there's plenty of food on the table, uh, when there's plenty of drink in the cupboard, right? That there's all the best things that would make other people happy, the stuff of this world. Like you put more joy in my heart than any of those other things. That doesn't sound like a miserable existence following a God out of duty. That sounds like an enjoyable existence of following Jesus in a path of delight. And so the first category of discipleship is for you to identify what is that thing that is attempting to replace Jesus as your greatest joy. And then number two, how will you rediscover delight in the fact you get to grow closer to Jesus? What is it that you start doing to try to reposition him in that seat of, a, of authority, of the joy in your life, where it's not that you have to follow him, it's that you get to follow him. As you start praying and considering, I would encourage you to really investigate, examine your own self and go, where is the greatest joy of my life uh, coming from and how do I put Jesus on that rightful throne? I pray that you would continue to think through how you develop your own discipleship plan as you address this specific area of rediscovering delight in our discipleship. I hope to see you on the second model.